0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and sometimes psychedelics industries forward. Today Ann and Nick speak with John Costa Kostakopoulos, president of Apollo PACT, a medical research and education 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to help solve the mental illness epidemic by relying on science and research. They're focusing on the areas with the largest unmet medical need where psychedelics assisted psychotherapy can be the most beneficial. John is not only the president of the organization, but he was also the first study participant in New York University's clinical trial treating alcohol use disorder with psilocybin medical treatment. This is the first time that Ann and Nick have spoken with an actual psilocybin patient, so this is definitely worth a listen. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now onto our conversation with John Kostakopoulos.
1: Today we're talking with John Kostakopoulos uh, from the Apollo Pact, which is a medical research and education um, nonprofit organization. So what's really interesting um, about John and about his work is that um, we've we've talked a lot about psychedelics on this show um, and we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and scientists, but we've not talked to a patient. Um, so someone who has gone through um, a treatment protocol um, and has had a, a very positive experience. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited uh, to talk to John today. Um, and I think that this will be really helpful in bringing you know the things that we've been talking about on a constant basis here, even on the cannabis side too, into context, um, so that you know these aren't abstract um, you know uh, st- research studies; these are these are you know real medical studies that are looking to to help people. So, um, John, I'll stop talking now. Well, welcome to the Green Rush. Um, can you tell us a little bit um, about your story?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, you're right. These clinical trials aren't only very important research, but they're life-saving. I mean, I credit this with saving my life. Um, So I, back in 2015, I tried everything to stop drinking. And luck would have it, I stumbled across an NYU Langone clinical trial where the researchers and doctors were using psilocybin Uh, to treat alcohol use disorder or alcoholism and with you know nothing to lose I was out of options and I was terrified of psychedelic I never touched them growing up Um, I never experimented with them just out of fear and I was just so desperate at this time and I had already exhausted you know every other option and treatment that that's available to me uh, to no avail and I, I called the doctors at this clinical trial, and they were getting ready to screen the patients. And I was lucky enough to get in. Um, I was the very first patient uh, to complete it, and and you know I didn't have too many reference points, so I was kind of scared. But um, I, I looked at some testimonials from the cancer uh, study they had done a few years prior. And I couldn't find one negative outcome from these cancer patients using psilocybin and doing psilocybin-assisted therapy. So that was, that was uh, reassuring to me.
1: Can you walk us through um, what the treatment really entailed? Because I think um, there's there's a misperception that um, these are are miracle drugs or or molecules, um, but they are really um, only a piece of what the treatment protocols are. Um, And it's not for everyone. Um, and you know, it, it is something that is, that is complex, um, that takes, you know, dedication and that takes, um, a willingness to, um, to, to surrender really to the process. Um, so can you just walk our listeners through, you know, what the trial entailed?
2: Absolutely. Uh, correct. This is not for everyone. Um, so the doctors do a, uh, pretty extensive screening on all the potential study participants. And what they're mainly screening for are things like schizophrenia, uh, and I, I think bipolar as well. Um but this this is not microdosing. Um there's some rumbling down Silicon Valley how microdosing and this is not that. Uh this is what the doctors call a heroic dose. So I think they gave me 25 milligrams, and that equates to, I think, six or seven grams of if you were to buy, buy this, you know, on the street. Um, and, and when I tell people that they're shocked, um, I, I don't know what six or seven grams of you know, mushrooms look like. Um, they gave it to me in a pill form. Uh, so pharmaceutical grade psilocybin and this isn't, you know, for me, it was a cure for me. I was shocked at how easy this was and how well this worked to the point where I have not, not had a drink, but I've not even craved a drink since doing this, but correct. This isn't, they don't just give you the pill and then, you know, give you the, the eye mask and, and it's a magic bullet. Um, they call this psilocybin assisted therapy because this is a lot of it's psychotherapy. So the doctors are, are working with you you know, we, on a weekly basis. And I only did psilocybin on three separate occasions. And I had stopped drinking after the very first session, psilocybin session. And I haven't done psilocybin since the last session and you know, I haven't done it upon leaving the clinical trial, so it's not addictive, and there are no known overdoses of it. You physically cannot overdose. I mean, this is the mushroom uh, that you can't overdose. Your stomach just can't handle, you know, the amount it would take. Um, so it's if done properly, this is an extremely safe and effective treatment to do. So it's. A lot of psychotherapy. I really credit the, the wonderful team at NYU Langone for, for doing this. Um, and that's the difference between, you know, people doing this and going to a fish concert at Madison Square Garden or going to Bellevue Hospital with NYU Langone. Um, you know, you get you get two different things out of it if you're going into this with a professional medical team and, and you're doing this as a therapeutic.
3: I think it's really important, the point that you brought up about the psychedelic assisted therapy, that it's the really the psychotherapy part of it. And, you know, we work with a lot of companies. There's, it seems like there's announcements all the time on new clinical trials um, examining this kind of stuff. But a, as a, a former patient, what would you say to, to someone that's considering on reaching out to one of these organizations or, or research institutions that's looking into this that thinks that psychedelic assisted therapy might help them?
2: Um, well, it depends what they're looking for. I mean, this this research is really incredible because it's very similar, you know, all these protocols, Johns Hopkins, NYU, and, you know, you could treat someone suffering from anorexia the same way you could treat a veteran with PTSD or someone with depression. I mean, that's pretty miraculous. Um, and that's also teaching us a lot about these mental and behavioral uh, diseases and disorders that they have a lot more in common than we actually thought, but I would just ask, you know, do your due diligence if you're doing this through a clinical route it's probably the safest way to do it um and that's you know i i I put people in touch with different researchers conducting this research and um, try to get them into different studies. Obviously, it's up to the doctors if if they think that those study participants are mentally and physically fit to go through this. Um, but I would do your due diligence. I would raise any concern. No question is stupid during the screening process. So I ask everything I could think of. All my concerns: Am I going to go crazy? Am I going? Is my personality going to change? Am I going to lose all my motivation? And you know, and none of that was right, and um, none of that was true. It, a lot of it was propaganda from the you know 70s and 80s and 90s. War on drugs, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and I was shocked that that these were just you know flat out lies. And the doctors were the, the doctors weren't you know self promoters or selling snake oil or anything. They were just in a you know factual, modest way no, that's that doesn't happen. This is actually, you know, the worst case scenario is if you have a scary experience. But a lot of those times, those scary experiences are the most rewarding. So sometimes we do want to have an uncomfortable or quote unquote bad trip because and I'd agree with that. Those are the most rewarding at the end of it after you see it through. Um, So, you know, if you need a good trust system with the doctors too that you're working with, because you're going to be in a vulnerable state, right? You're going to basically lose control and let let the psilocybin take you away. So you need to be in a in a decent mindset with and and have a good relationship with these doctors and ask questions.
1: You know, John, you had mentioned, um, you know, the fear of either losing your, you know, your personality or, or your motivation. Um, I would argue that, um, that if, if anything, it sounds like your, your motivation shifted. So, so this not only this treatment, not only um, helped your, you know, your personal life and your health, but it, it, it put your career on a different path. I mean, you, you know, you have a media background, you are a former, um, you know, news anchor and, you know, Tell us about how, you know, the, the, the growth of your career and the trajectory it's on now and what, what you're doing with Apollo
2: Pact. Yeah, um, and that, that just tells you how well this treatment worked, at least for me, that I've dedicated my whole life to this now. Um, I, I knew how bad all our options were and all the standard treatments were. And they're not bad for everyone, but for the vast majority, they just don't work. Um, and that's unfortunate because we're in the middle of a mental health crisis and this was before the pandemic. And then COVID just exacerbated all of this. And you know, the silver lining is psilocybin-assisted therapy and other psychedelic-assisted therapies uh, can really help the majority of folks, I believe, um, that, that are suffering from this. Uh, and I, it, it's more of a personal thing. I lost a lot of friends. And also I was just so desperate going into this trial that I made a promise to myself and a deal with God. And I said, if this works, I'm going to do everything I can to make this accessible to everyone in need. And that's where Apollo Pact came. So Apollo's the God of light and healing and the pact is our pact to, to make this accessible to everyone in need, um, I was lucky enough to get a wonderful board uh, to support this, and and they've you know really helped out, and and also they've risked you know backing this, which is kind of controversial. Although now it's starting to get more and more na- mainstream with you know the sixty minutes uh, piece and um, the New York Times articles, Wall Street Journal is writing about this. Michael Pollan's book how to change your mind um, so more people are because everyone's affected by by mental illness one way or another um, and more people understand that these solutions that we have aren't much uh, of the actual solutions and out of desperation like myself they're looking to other methods
3: I I think you you touch on a good point there that, uh, you know, with the New York Times and the WSJ articles and a lot more uh, excitement around psychedelics has really been a boon for the industry and been been really great for the progression of these clinical trials. But that wasn't the case when you first started Apollo pack. Can you talk about what it was like to try and get some of that early support when you were first getting everything started?
2: Yeah, um, it it was tough on one hand, but on, other, uh, on the other hand, I got support from the last people I thought would actually, you know, back this. Um, so a lot of people that I went to thinking that they'd back this right away, they weren't, not only were they hesitant, they told me, I don't think you should go on 60 Minutes. because." And I didn't want to go on 60 Minutes because of that concern. And they just amplified that saying, you're gonna be out there forever you're someone googles you. they're gonna see that you were an alcoholic who took psychedelics, and that's gonna forever you know stick with you
1: we we should all i don't i'm gonna interrupt you here. We should just mention that this is we're referring to a sixty minutes piece um you know that Anderson Cooper did featuring you um and it was a couple two thousand nineteen or yeah, well, whatever uh, it was. 20. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, but just that's what everyone's referring to is, is oh, the see. incredibly brave decision for you to go out there um, and, and talk about this to Anderson Cooper of all people. And you don't get much more national than that. Right.
2: Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I was frightened um, because I didn't know what their take was going to be. I didn't know if they're, you know, because honestly, this is a wacky subject and, and I, I'm totally aware of it. And I went in thinking this is out there, but I I was also very desperate. So that's that's the reason I did try this. Um and after the psilocybin treatment, I mean, I I think I grew, you know, uh as a person and I started making decisions. If they were big decisions, I thought, I I thought, okay how am I going to feel on my deathbed? Is this something that that I'm going to regret that I didn't do or that I did do on my deathbed if it's that big of a decision? And with this, I credit this treatment with saving my life. And I figured I'd have more regrets if I didn't help where I could have, because I was in a unique position as a study participant who has actually worked for to, to share my story. Um, so I ended up doing it and, uh, but, but the feedback was overall positive. I had a ton of people reach out that I knew and that I didn't know. They would just track me down, but they'd open up and they were desperate and they didn't know what to do. And I, you know, for the ones that I I had relationships in the past, I had no idea that they were struggling with this or they had a loved one that was struggling with this. And so Behind the scenes, I was connecting people with different uh, study or uh, clinical trials, and um, and it, it kind of grew from there.
3: I think it's uh, also interesting because you know we we focus a lot on the business of the industry and so we've spoken with a lot of executives that that are running different companies whether they be uh, publicly listed or not but you've gone a different path with the nonprofit route on this. Can you give us some background on on why you decided to to use that approach and and what do you think about the the investments that are being made on the private side of the sector?
2: I you know I think it's it's a great ecosystem. I think with all of the money being invested in these companies that are you know, scratching the surface on, on phase three, you know, it's still a Schedule One drug. And you got millions and hundreds of millions of dollars being invested in this sector. So, you know, the market's telling us that this looks like it's getting approved. Um, the science is telling us that, the data is telling us that. When I talk to the doctors, my goal was to help them make this accessible to everyone. So there wasn't any IP around their research, right? The, this has been going on since the 1950s and 60s, the, the application of psilocybin and psychedelics using a, an eye mask and headphones. Um, and also psilocybin is a natural compound that you can't patent. So you got companies trying to tweak the the molecule to patent it, which is fine. Um, and but for this instance, you know, they they need to get private funding from this because there, there aren't any investments to be made. And they're basically there. They're almost at the finish line. I think they're approaching phase three, um, probably within the year. So they're on their last leg and we're just, all we're trying to do is raise money to, to fund more of this research and push them over the finish line.
1: You know, you, you mentioned um, that there were people that you um, had some early support from. Can you talk a little bit about who they are and, and how exactly, you know, they supported you and, and how you went about creating this
2: organization? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would start, I mean, besides my parents who've been supportive and they're pretty conservative when it comes to drugs, but they were very supportive with trying this. And, you know, and even with the 60 minutes, they were like, listen, your life was saved. And um, if you want to do this, we totally get it and, and support you. Um, but I'd say my my whole board, I mean, they're putting their names out on the line for this. Um, and you know, it's looking good because now it's, it's becoming more and more accepted and we're trending to that, uh, of, of this getting approved, but probably, you know, um, my co-founder, Ali Amir Hushman who was a study participant from Johns Hopkins. Uh, you know, he, he's great. He's been a, a wonderful help. Um, We have our chairwoman of the board, Mimi Walter, is a former congresswoman. I mean, she's been incredible uh, with all of this. And she sees the potential of this helping, you know, everyone from veterans to to people addicted to any substance or suffering from any illness. And same with uh, Susan Dunn. Susan and Jimmy Dunn have been a, a, a wonderful help and very supportive and these guys are all, you know, putting their reputations on the line and, you know, we have a wonderful doctor, Tara Zimmerman and Holly Anderson, and they're, you know, putting their names out there for us as well. Um, but but they see the, the research in this and they see the potential and they see that this can save lives. So, I, you know, when it boils down to that, it, it seems like a, an easy answer.
3: I, I I'm curious, you know, you, ha- you you just named off all the all the great support and you've talked a lot about the the potential uh of all of these therapies, but obviously, you know, it's still schedule 1 under the FDA. Um is that in your mind the the biggest hurdle that's holding back this industry or are there other things that are that still need to happen so that, you know, we can finally get over these hurdles, get people into more trials, get people more help?
2: You know, I th- so the FDA is it looks like they're one of the biggest supporters of this, or they they see the potential of this. They granted psilocybin and I think it was usona breakthrough therapy designation, so um, they see that this is safe to do, but also the results are just you know exponentially higher than when you're when you got you know sixty to eighty uh, percent success rates on this for for treatments that usually work 10% of the time, 10 20% of the time. I mean that's that's a big improvement. Um so I don't think that's as much of a hurdle as honestly just the stigma and the you know if this if this treatment and the research becomes politicized again like it did in the 1970s. I think that's the biggest risk right now and that's the biggest hurdle. Because my main concern about going public with this wasn't necessarily the alcoholism um, that, that people know that I suffered from alcoholism, but it was the psychedelics part that I was concerned about. Um, and, and that's the part that I don't think I should have any shame about, because I did it legally. I did it, you know, through a reputable uh, university and research center and it was totally legal. Um, but you know, just, just from the decades and decades of, of the war on drugs and, and the propaganda, unfortunately, you know, I think that's the biggest hurdle to, to rebound from that.
1: Do you think that, you know, you, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, Mimi, uh, Walters, you know, being on the board and, you know, former, uh, Congresswoman, um do you feel the the vibe changing in Washington on this? I know that, you know, we talked specifically about the FDA, but you know, there's been um a, a number of other, you know, senators and congress people who have kind of dipped their toe in. Um it feels different this time, but maybe that's just because we're in it. <laughs> does it feel different for you?
2: I I think it does. That's a great question too. Um, I think it does feel different. And with, you know, the Congresswoman, she's a Republican. So that's, you'd think of this more so as a Democratic issue. Um, and and more Democrats would be supporting this, right? Um, but she sees this as a medical treatment, and, and she's not the only one. So I think, you know, you also have, um, like Governor Rick Perry from Texas, he's a staunch conservative, and he was—he backed this uh, bill down in Texas. I don't know a few weeks ago, I think. Um, but but they see that this is helping people and this is saving lives. And you know, with with such a big problem we're all facing, and we're all a part of, and we all know that that the solutions aren't really that great. And then when you get this research and these clinical trials yielding these results, it's a lot easier to garner that support. Um, So, And it's a fine line. I mean, I just hope it doesn't get politicized again. I think that's still the biggest risk, but I think it is different. Uh, this time around.
1: And I I do think the there's also a difference in the way we talk about mental health issues um and the stigma surrounding it. We are we are by no means in a good place when it comes to that, but um I think we're in a very different place even than just 10 years ago. Um you know, and and I think that that's becoming you know, uh, it's becoming more accepted that we really do a crappy job, um, on, on treatment of mental health disorders. And, you know, and the fact that there hasn't been, you know, effective treatments done for things like PTSD and addiction for, for 10, for decades, really. I mean, this, I think the, the, the initial studies in the fifties and sixties were about addiction. So it wasn't about PTSD or depression. It was mainly focused on addiction. So, um, it sucks that it took us so long to get here. Um, but that also feels like a different vibe and everyone knows someone who's been dealing with depression or PTSD or anxiety or, you know, addiction. So I I think because it's become more, um, normalized, um, that's been a help as well. There's no question there. That's just me yapping
2: on. Um, (laughs) Spot on. And if you don't, if you claim to not know anyone, you're still affected because you're paying for it, whether it's through taxes or, you know, loss, uh, you know, workforce and suffering from these, uh, illnesses. I mean, the knock-on
1: effect is, affects Mm -hmm. everyone from, you know, the people experiencing homelessness, um, to, you know, the, not being able to find beds for people who, who might need them in, 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 you know, the hospital setting. So, um, it really is, especially now, because, I mean, I live in, um, Southern California and, you know, the, the homeless population that, you know, is, is, is rampant and, you know, there's not enough, there's just not enough resources and not enough people who, you know, want to take on that issue head on. So, um, exactly. you know, it's, it affects so many York. other things. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I'm I'm interested, John. We've we've talked a lot about you know the the history of how we've gotten to this point and and the the research that's going forward. What has you most excited about the the future of the psychedelic sector? Is it any one piece of uh, research that's moving forward, or any company, or or you know NYU or JHU, you know, any of their research that's got you in particular super excited?
2: Yeah, um, there. I mean, there are a lot of things that are just a lot of moving parts right now, um, and and. It's moving quickly. Um, you, you thought it would slow down with COVID, but that's not the case. I think, I mean, selfishly, I think I'm, I'm most excited about the NYU Langone uh, clinical trial for alcohol use disorder and the results that they end up publishing there. Um, because I've met a few of the other study participants and they're all great. And for the most part, this has worked for the ones that I have met. So I'm just eager to know what the final number and outcome this was because I know for a fact I wasn't the only one that uh, this saved. Um, and also, it's very it was very you know personal and and I lived through it. So I think I'm most excited for that. Um, and also, USONA is doing some great stuff too. They're coming up on phase three for their depression um, major depressive disorder uh, study. So that that's really I think they're the ones that got the breakthrough therapy designation. I've been watching that. I think that's pretty exciting too. Um and let's let's see, you know, the next big billion dollar IPO. I couldn't tell you what that that's going to be, but that I mean, it's all great. Um it shows interest in this and and people are are accepting this and saying I'm betting that this is going to this is the future and this works.
1: This podcast has a lot of investors who listen. Um, and so what's your pitch to, you know, you're a nonprofit. Give me the pitch, and where can people go to donate?
2: Um, so we could, you know, you could find us at ApolloPact P A-C-T dot org. And this will help the private sector because. You know, not only has the research paved the way for these IPOs and and all these companies and pharmaceuticals, but this is the closest thing to getting FDA approved. And once that happens, the floodgates are going to open. So if you have a foundation, if you need the tax write-off, send that our way. We're a 501c3 and could use all the help. And, you know, this is saving lives. It saved mine.
3: John, this is a question we, we ask uh, to all of our guests, but we're particularly excited to ask it to you since you're a reporter. But what do you think is an underreported story on the psychedelics industry? What, what's something that you think's not getting enough attention where if you were going to open up the A1 on The New York Times tomorrow, what's that story that you'd like to see right there?
2: I, I really think. Because even though it's a small part of the overall mental health crisis, it's still a huge impact, and it's been growing probably the fastest. I think this could solve the opioid epidemic, hands down. This works for alcohol use disorder. This works for cigarette addiction and nicotine addiction. Uh, They did this with cocaine use in, in the University of Alabama. I mean, this works for addictions. They need to start doing this for opioid use. Um, I think that would be a wonderful story because that's the opioid epidemic. That's the headline every other day. I mean, I think we're up to 85,000 people who passed away from the last 12 months. And now they're saying it's going to be north of 100,000, you know, with all the COVID backlash, too. Um, so I think that would be very interesting, the, the opioid epidemic in this uh, in the psychedelic space.
3: Yeah, that would be huge to help out a lot of people. I, I, I love that. That's so.
1: <laughs> yeah. John Costacopoulos, president of Apollo Pact. If you want to learn more about them or donate to their trials, please visit ApolloPact.org. A-P-O-L-L-O-P-A-C-T.org. John, thank you so much. We really appreciated your time today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Before we do our outro... I just want to take a moment to recognize our amazing producer Shay Gunther. Shay has been a pioneer in cannabis. He has been a pioneer in podcasting about cannabis. Um, his other shows um, include Marijuana Today and um, have included Marijuana Today Daily, which many of you know um, has uh, has ended. Um, it ran for five plus years. Um, and it was definitely, um, a go-to podcast, especially, um, if you're interested in the news and the headlines, um, in the industry, um, it was an absolute must listen. So, um, Shay, thank you for all of your work there. Um, we will miss that podcast, but we we know that you're going to continue on with the Marijuana Today podcast and, um, and some of our, our sister podcasts, like Weed Wonks and all those fun things, but just didn't want another episode to go by without um, saying our heartfelt thanks. Um, and uh, we're going to miss hearing your voice every day. Nick, anything else to add there?
3: No, I think you covered it. Shay, you're the best. <laughs> <Go> ahead. <laughs>
1: we love you okay um So thanks so much again to John Kostakopoulos, president of Apollo Pact. Again, if you'd like to learn more um, and more importantly, donate to their uh, organization, head to ApolloPact.org, A-P-O-L-L-O-P-A-C-T.org. They're really doing some amazing stuff over there. As always, thanks for listening. Um, find us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. And just a shout out to our social media team. They're doing some really fun new stuff stuff on uh, the Instagram handle. So definitely check it out there. Um, Or if you want to chat with us, just drop us an email at kcsa.com. We love your feedback and guest ideas. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay, one take.
0: Cannabis!
3: Cannabis!